I'm Shawan Jabarin, the general director of Al-Haq, and Al-Haq is a first uh, human rights organization in the Middle East, not just in Palestine, founded in 79, 1979, based in Ramallah, here, West Bank. But uh, our mandate covering the occupied territory since 67 and also uh, wider than that, addressing the Palestinian people's rights, collective and individual rights. This is what we mean by that. And our main reference is the international law with all uh, different branches like international human rights law, international humanitarian law, and international public law, sea law, all of these laws, you know. We collect first-hand data regarding the violations taking place in occupied territory against Palestinians. And uh, also, not just we are focusing on the Israeli side violations, we are also focusing on the Palestinian uh, violations. And in the same time, we are engaging here, you know, just to push for, uh, to integrate human rights standards uh, in the Palestinian laws, draft laws, this is just generally what we do uh, at Al-Haq. Look, everything related to your existence in this area, the Israeli try to damage it to push you outside of this area and in this country. The transfer. The transfer, I think, this is the main long-term plan. That's the case. The Israeli, they have long-term plan. And now they're creating the environment to make your life impossible. That's, and here they use different means. One of that, it's called the administrative mean. One of that, economic mean, by putting pressure here and there. And for instance, under which called the administrative mean, you can't build anything without receiving a license. But in the same time, they don't give you a license. And here they come and they destroy and they destruct what you, uh, you know, build. Even, you know, the uh, containers and the wells of the waters, for instance, in a specific area, because they are targeting specific areas. Any areas next or near the settlements, any area targeted by the Israeli for long term, like, for instance, Jordan Valley, or the southern hill, uh, hills of uh, Hebron, uh, it's a targeted area for uh, Israeli use. Because of that, they try to clean that area from any Palestinians. And here, when they destruct the water wells, the water, you know, uh, containers, that's the, there is a political, let me say, plan behind. It's not because the Palestinians, they are breaching the rules. Rules for what? Rules to maintain your life. What's this breaching rules? If I want to maintain my life, for instance, specific area, if I want to develop my life in a specific area, if I have to build like a toilet, to use a toilet in the uh, 21st century, what's the problem of that? If I, have, if I want to use, let me say, uh, a TV and build like a solar system uh, just to provide me an electricity in isolated area, I am living there, you know, and it's my land, it's my cave, it's my house, it's my tent. And you have nothing to do with me. But in the same time, you try to cut off me from all things around me. Even you try not to give me, you know, any facilities to allow me, you know, to build any facility to facilitate, to develop my uh, life in this area. What's this? What's, you know, the uh, 
let me say the illegal issue what's the uh, the threat on the israeli security i think that's the case damaging cutting off uh, destroying uh, the life and all of the elements that helps palestinians you know to stay and to continue staying in their land is 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 a palestinian agriculture being squeezed out or threatened by israeli agriculture and particularly settlement agriculture does yes. settlement agriculture endanger threaten um, jeopardize traditional forms of food production look david uh, i would like to give you one example for instance uh, israel you know controlling and uh, dealing with the uh, palestinians here by military orders they change all of the you know laws applied here in occupied territory since the brits or jordan or ottoman or other things in west bank it's more than 1700 military orders affected every aspect in palestinians life since including 1967. since 1967 including you know the agriculture issue and they issued you know the military commanders issued you know a military orders uh, in 80s uh, 70s and after that about which kind of fruits it's forbidden for palestinians or which kind of let me say plants it's forbidden for palestinians uh, to plant for instance avocado it wasn't easy for palestinians to plant avocado because the israelis they used to deal with avocado as a capital tree and capital tree is for them not for palestinians a capital tree meaning yeah, for instance, they gain money, a lot of money from this tree because they uh, export. Uh, and so Palestinians were actually forbidden to plant it was It was there yeah, a long time ago. It was the case like that. But now, no, they can plant. But the question is about water. What's about water? It's not easy, for instance, if you don't find water, how you can plant avocado? This is the case. And other thing is also some kinds of, uh, let me say, uh, trees. Uh, and swan, swan, for instance. It's an animal, you know, this bird, swan. It wasn't allowed for Palestinians to have swan's farms here. But swan's farms, it was near Ramla and Lud inside Israel. Why? Because the Israelis, they used to take, and still taking, I think, the liver of the swans only, you know, and sell it to France and elsewhere. This is, for Palestinians, it wasn't easy to have swans like this. Even things like that, they used to control, to control it. These days, Palestinians, they are more flexible. They can do. But at the end, if you have no capacity to do that, how? If you have no water, without water, you can't make a good and a big agriculture. And we have no water. Go, for instance, to Jordan Valley and see. In your right side during summer, you will see dry land. In your left side, eastern side of the street, 
in some most of the places you will see green why because they have water the israeli you know they control water there and these are the and they grow that are everything green. and this is settlements you speak about settlements if you go for instance uh, to other set, uh, settlements you will see some kind of animals you know they build like swimming pools for animals to grow and animals there in jordan valley palestinians they can't do that for these reasons mainly the reason of the water issue just you can imagine david that 9500 settlers in jordan valley they use the same amount of water for two, 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 two and a half, three million people in West Bank, the same amount for their agriculture and for their daily use. 9,500, 9, maximum 10,000 settlers in the Jordan Valley, they use the same amount of money, of uh, water for uh, three million people in the West Bank. This is just, it gives you an idea how the Israeli discrimination, how they discriminate against Palestinians, how they control all of their uh, resources, they control all of their, you know, uh, aspects in their uh, in their life. This is the case. How the Palestinian farm farmers, you know, can grow and can capitalize on their knowledge and their work on their land, things like that. We have a diversity, you know, here in this small area but unfortunately the israelis the occupation killed everything killed every opportunity for us should the sale uh, the internet international trade in 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 agricultural produce produced in in settlements be illegal is it is yes. it illegal and should yes. it be banned? we have we have this is a principle in international law the criminals has not to benefit from their crimes. And here, in this case, the settlers' presence in occupied territory is illegal and it's a war crime, according to the ICC, you know, transfer civilians to the occupied territory is a war crime. It's a grave breach of Fort Geneva Convention and according international criminal law, uh, court is a, <coughs> a war crime. What is, it, what is a grave breach? Grave breach, according to the Fourth Geneva Convention, the international humanitarian law is, has to be, you know, and uh, applicable here, has to be applicable here, and has to be respected by the Israelis, that this is an occupied territory, and Israel has to respect uh, the law, which international humanitarian law, and when you commit, uh, let me say, a crime, or atrocities, that they called it grave breach, and they identify which crimes coming under the grave breach. Transfer civilians to the occupied territory, uh, it's a grave breach under Geneva Convention, and it has to be prosecuted by all the states, including Canada. Countries like Canada are obliged under the Fourth Geneva Convention to... They have to. They have to act according Article 146, of Geneva Convention, for Geneva Convention, for instance, they have to go after those they commit the grave breaches. And here the Israeli leaders, they committed that by encouraging, by facilitating, by, uh, uh, you know, helping, by creating, you know, the infrastructure and everything 
for the settlers by transferring, you know, settlers directly or indirectly, their civilians to come, for instance, to stay here in Palestine. It's a grave breach and it's a war crime. And here we have not to let the criminals, you know, to benefit from their crimes. And by taking or importing the Israeli settlements products, it's a way of helping and it's a way of encouraging the crime to continue. It's exactly pillaging, you know, the Palestinian resources. And this is belongs to the Palestinian people and the Palestinians as the protected persons under international humanitarian law, they have to benefit. And this is, has to go for their own interests, the Palestinian interest as a people under the occupation. They have to benefit from their natural resources. Uh, everything has to done for their interests, but completely when it's going on, it's against their interests. It's against, you know, the principles of international humanitarian law. And because of that, it's a crime. Because of that, it's a crime. Another thing is, not just pillaging, they are polluted, even the Palestinian environment here. They are damaging the Palestinian uh, land. For instance, go to Nahalin, near Batir, western side of Batir. There is a settlement, big settlement called Bitar Elite. And Bitar Elite go, for instance, down and see how many domes, dunums, for instance, damaged by sewage of the settlements, belongs to Palestinians. This, you know, land belongs. And the Palestinians here, they don't use their land completely. It's damaged. They can't use their land. And it's not the only example. It's not an isolated incident, for example. There are many, many examples, for instance, go to Salfit area and see, you know, what's happened to many uh, lands uh, around the settlements there, for instance, because of the sewage. Uh, this is the case now. The Palestinians, even they can't use their land because of the uh, settlements. And in the same time, the settlements, they use the water, you know, and they are taking, you know, high prices for their uh, products. And they sell their products, you know, to the markets in Europe mainly. So h- how do you explain explain this, that on the one hand, the European Union, the countries of the EU, the United States, Canada, are obliged under international law n- not to do trade in agricultural produce produced in settlements. All these countries acknowledge that, that Israel is an occupying power and is therefore subject to the Geneva Conventions, and yet they, they will not ban these products. They're, they're, they're staunchly opposed because to boycott, divestment, and sanctions, which is another story. But just simply getting the European Union to agree to, to label settlement products, which is simply a commercial, a consumer commercial issue, labeling products as produced in West Bank settlements, they're not going to ban the import of these, these products. They're not doing Look, it. Look, uh, David, labeling uh, the uh, settlements products without uh, taking actions against the uh, products not to enter, you know, uh, the markets of European countries or elsewhere, and only, you know, just stop on uh, labeling, it's exactly like one uh, who labeled a material and say, this is a stolen material, but you can't buy it. That's, That's exactly the... Uh, the same thing. Labeling has to lead to ban. 
Labeling has to be a step to identify products and for the purpose of banning that. And this is the responsibility of states. That's the case. This is the case in Canada. This is the case in Europe. This is the case in uh, US and everywhere. That has to be the case. But they don't. But unfortunately, do they don't act according to their legal obligation. They ignored completely their legal obligation. And here they are helping and assisting, assisting and uh, let the criminals to benefit from their crimes. That's the case. Settlers and the Israeli, you know, occupying power, helping the settlements to establish settlements, they are benefiting from their crimes. We have not to let the criminals to benefit from their crimes. This is a simple. This is also, let me say, a principle in international law. And here they don't act according to their legal obligation of for Geneva Convention. According uh, obligation for Geneva Convention, transferring civilian to the occupied territory or according Article 49, it's a grave breach. It's and, a grave breach. It's, and it's a prohibited. And, and taking, taking Palestinian, arresting, Pal which is another story, arresting Palestinians and transferring them into jails in yes, Israel yes. is a grave breach of the Geneva yes, Convention. Yes, That's, yes. of course, a totally different yes, story. Yes. But Canada, the United States, the EU, they don't do anything about it. Israel is free to do whatever it wishes. So I guess my question is, you know, do you despair? Does this make you despair of international law? Because clearly international law kind of like counts for nothing, really. Look, because there is no political will. Because if there is no political will, the international law will not be implemented. And uh, regarding the uh, texts and the, uh, the language, regarding, you know, the treaties, everything is there and everything is clear and everything is great. But regarding the implementation, nothing, the enforcement is nothing. That's the case, which it makes the international law as just good slogans, you know, good words here and there. And because of that, you know, many of the Palestinians, they lost their hope. Many of the Palestinians, they don't believe, for instance, about international law. And if these states and the international law, it's not a Palestinian invention. We didn't invent international law. It was invented mainly by the Western countries, mainly. And this is their principles, and this is their values, and they have to act and to respect their signatures, and they have to respect their principles. Why they don't respect that? When it comes, for instance, to Israel, and why they are selective in implementing and recognizing and speaking about international law, when things come, for instance, to Iran or to Iraq or elsewhere, they directly, they build their narrative on the international law, speaking, oh, this is international law, blah, 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 all of these things. When it comes to Israel, everything is, uh, is paralyzed. When it comes to Israel, they're blind. They, they, are, they become blind. That's, that's the case, you know. But in the same time, we do believe, as a, a human rights organization, we do believe about international law. And I think that we do believe that without taking international law as a basis for all of any initiatives, any initiatives, any settlements, peace settlements, uh, political settlements, anything like that, nothing will be developed. Nothing will be succeed in this area. 
And we do believe that also Oslo failed because it wasn't built on the basis of international law and the principles of justice. Uh, boy, boycott, divestment, and sanctions. Does Al-Haq see the BDS movement as perhaps providing the, the only solution? The only no, way? not the only solution. No, no, no. I don't want to exaggerate in that, but I can say this is, you know, the civil, this is the civil society and this is the public reactions uh, to uh, crimes, international crimes taking place here and uh, the uh, failures of the uh, international community to maintain and to respect their obligation and to act according to their obligation. And this is the reaction of the civil society and the public, and they have a full right to act according to that, to do that, to call for that. Uh, this is a right of uh, uh, freedom of expression, and uh, that's, and we support the right of the freedom of expression and the right of the BDS campaign to continue and to continue calling for uh, for that. But in the same time, this is not, it doesn't replace, you know, the obligation on the shoulders of the states or states, uh, high contracting parties to act, to intervene, to implement and to respect that and to take actions against, against Israel. And this is a time for actions. It's not a time for just condemnations. Sanctions, for instance, it has illegal paces. Divestments, it has illegal paces. Uh, when I say legal paces, I see obligations. If you don't act, it means that you breach and you don't act according to your oblig obligation. But for instance, the boycott, it's a right. You know, yeah, boycotts for, are things that individuals do. Or yeah, individuals, private yeah. entities do. Because of that, we are calling for banning, yeah. for instance. And in the same time, we are with, you know, the uh, civil society, to uh, to call for uh, and to continue their movement uh, to call for uh, boycott. And the international criminal court proceeding, do you see this as a dead end? Is it, is it leading anywhere? I presume Al-Haq is in, in certain communication with the, with the ICC? It's look, sharing information with the ICC? Look, we keep hope. Uh, we put a lot of hope on that uh, mechanism. And we will see what to lead. But it's not the only one. It takes time. Uh, Do you see that moving forward? Is it moving forward? Do you yeah, have any, yeah, yeah. Any... It will move, and because this is also an important for the ICC itself as a court, as a permanent uh, justice body, uh, to maintain its image. I think uh, Palestine is a real test uh, for the ICC to maintain its image, because its image to, until today is that the ICC going after the uh, Africans, and it's a time to go after the big fish and not, you know, against only a poor country here and there. And now they have on their table the biggest fish, and they have to show everyone that they are independents, they are independent, they are professionals, they are acting according law and for the purpose of justice, to maintain justice in this area. And I think here, this is a real test. The ICC need us, and we need it. 
Palestinian case, it's important for the ICC to maintain its credibility and its image. And do you think they'll launch a, uh, an investigation? I hope. And now they're into I preliminary probe. I hope, and we will not give up until we see that happened. We will not give up, and we will continue pushing for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.